Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. The Slaughter Podcast will be discussing topics that some listeners may find disturbing. If you're still listening and not watching Making a Murderer Part 2, then you're a true fan. Not because we don't like it, just because like you could be doing other things. <laughs> but you're here, so thanks. So. So, I've literally just put down the pen from researching this story. I'm sitting here in some questionable fake tan. I turned up and um, Emma opened the door. This is Lucy, by the way. And uh, <laughs> Emma was like, oh... You are very tanned. I was like, I've still got to wash it off. I was gen- I was like in my head rehearsing how am I going to bring up the fact that it's really bad. <laughs> well, at least you know that I'm not after your boyfriend if I've turned up looking like this. It's like really like golden. Like it's skinny tan. Uh, we are not endorsed, but it like once I wash it off, it you can barely notice it. Is it all over? Yeah, but I, and I was like, why bother? unless Luke's bothered or I'm bothered I should have just had hands and face because <laughs> that's all anyone's seeing for the next winter. six months yeah like the other day I only shaved my ankles to go to my friend's birthday party mm. it's cause my makeup's the wrong colour like I've gone like paper pale now but anyway there so, you go <laughs> although pale is cool if you're choosing that kind of life um, so this is the death of Francis Seville Kent. I think a lot of people either like called him Seville or Savile, but I think because of like links to Jimmy Savile, I'm just going to go with Francis. Sure. I'd just rather. That's quite sad. <laughs> no one. There's lots of people called Savile though. Yeah. It's quite a common name. You're going to have to. I just, and also I don't know whether it's Seville or Savile, but I can say Francis. Well, Fra- Francis. Oh shit, Francis Seville. Um, so this, uh, the setting of the story is so it's an old one, eighteen fifty six, uh, the village of Road in Wiltshire, and it's an elegant Georgian house, which is my optimum, like sort of beautiful house era, and um, it was a prosperous family who um, had like a big house, um, servants living like a nice life. So the parents were Samuel Saville, sorry, Samuel Saville Kent, so Samuel Kent, and then Mary Ann Kent. 
So Marianne Kent was sometimes described as a bit of a mad woman. <laughs> just, <laughs> just casually. Well, That's I don't... not a very nice thing to describe your friends as. Well, I've got a lot of reasons why I don't think she's mad. So they... Is she just one of those women that spoke in public? Well, possibly. Like that one I did before. It's like, oh, she told her husband off in front of other people. She was insane. She should have been murdered. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So... Uh, like the evidence for her sort of being i'm gonna use like air quotes mad is because um like people in the family passed down that oh yeah marianne was a bit mad she had four children who died in a row um quite young and they use this as evidence of a weak disposition which i think is bullshit evidence um, of postnatal depression well that's that's what, just grief yeah well that's what it sort of suggested um, online and in the books that I read um, but she maintained a marriage she cared for uh, her children um, so and there are sort of some reasons that it's uh, that she could have been sort of a little bit funny so some of this madness could be down to the fact that her husband was openly cheating a lot that would do it she's that's the, that still happens now that's the classic crazy ex-girlfriend yeah. gaslighting isn't it like oh i cheated on her but she's a crazy she just went crazy yeah. she couldn't handle it when i was a dick for the entire relationship yeah exactly and also both marianne and samuel likely had syphilis which is sort of a madness disorder, isn't it? It's a sexually transmitted disease, but it's said to sort of make you go a bit mad because um, I think it attacks parts of the brain. So that could be linked to it. And, and apparently she had like minor delusions and things, but that, that would sort of solve it. And she was consistently pregnant. She's having all these kids. So a bit mad was at, genuinely was the kind thing to say about her then. I think she was doing pretty well. Because everything is going on. She's isolated at home with nothing to do. Her husband's off either shagging or working. Um, and she's rich enough to have servants that she can't actually do any housework either. And also it was the kind of time where you... Um, you wouldn't really have a close relationship with your children. It was seen that like the children would be seen and not heard that, um, that you'd just be sort of their disciplinarium and their teacher. And then, um, the governess would have a closer relationship with the kids. So she didn't even have the kids to talk to. I know that they used to go to the extent, cause I, I used to go around museums. I think my parents used to drag me around sort of those stately homes and, they wouldn't have heating in the part of the house where the kids were. Keep them awake for learning. Yeah, That's so what I say to my kids anyway. The kids would literally have to be sort of freezing. And in the Castle Museum in York that I went to this week, uh, they had sort of a rule book and it was like, don't sit by the fire. You need to go out and do this and this and this and this to get warm. You can't sit by the fire. So it was very much don't. Because you won't feel the kids. benefit. Yeah. It seems like all her different ailments were just balancing each other out. Like depression from the dead babies delusions from the syphilis like getting a nice even keel like yeah um so she did sort of recover a little bit but um i think she was in a bad way for a while uh, but I don't know how bad. I'm, I'm not sure of this evidence. But they hired a governess basically because they were like, well, she can't even teach them, so she's good for nothing. So she was more heavily involved in the like the birth and the care of her son later, who was called William. So she began to become a, after he grew up a little bit physically quite ill. Now, some sources say there was an obstruction to the bowel, which could be like twisted bowel or cancer. I guess they couldn't really look at it. I guess they just realised she wasn't going to the toilet anymore. 
and she died in May. Well, in every time she pushes, a baby pops out. <laughs> yeah. I stop as well. So she died, unfortunately. Oh. And then. Um, oh, so this is taking a twist. I thought she was going to get locked in the attic, Jane Eyre style, and then be murdered. Do you know what? Jane Eyre is partly based on this story. Is it? A little bit. Well, some people say. Um, well, so, they did say that Mrs. Rochester might have had syphilis and stuff. Yeah. So, rumours began that the governess, Mary Drew Platt, who was living there, had an affair with the husband, Samuel. And then these were confirmed when he married her. So Very Jane So they'd literally been having an affair right under her nose. I'm sure she knew about it. So some of this apparent madness is didn't stop him knocking his wife up though did it well he's probably passing syphilis from one to the other it's amazing that we're we're just all descended from syphilis aren't we (laughs) yeah now mary drew platt so the governess married samuel kent so she becomes mary kent similar to mary ann kent that was his last wife and they begin to have children together so Mary was very much disciplinarian. She was really strict. Um, she was very dismissive of the children from his previous marriage. So Mary Anne's children, who were Constance, William and Mary. But she had been their governess. Yeah. But she hadn't been very nice to them then. She was I'm very... She must have been shit forever. Yeah. So there was no recognition of their emotions. She banned them from having pets or friends um and Constance was sent away to school quite a lot and even when she returned after long periods she talked about how it was as if she'd just come in from a walk their reaction like oh you're back just completely not bothered so Mary had three children with Samuel so that was another Mary Francis and Evelyn and then she became pregnant with a fourth and it was at this point that the murder happened so I imagine one of the kids, I mean, there's plenty to go around. <laughs> so 29th of June, 1860, three-year-old Francis Saville Kent was kidnapped from his room and a dog barked, but basically that was the only bit of unrest that anyone was aware of. And no one really batted an eye at the dog barking. It was quietened down and everyone went back to sleep. Um, so no one really woke up. None of the family or the servants noticed anything. And then at 5am, the 22-year-old nursemaid gets up and she discovers that Francis is missing from his cot. But she just assumed that his mother had come and got him in the night and that he was in their room and she didn't want to go and disturb them. So it isn't until about 7.30 when the family get up that she says Francis wasn't there and then they sound the alarm. So a big um, search party starts by 8 o'clock. Everyone's out searching. All the servants have been told to go out searching neighbours are getting involved um and a reward of 10 pounds is offered by the father if francis is found that'll do <laughs> which is about 650 quid now i mean i can't put a value on any of my children but if i have to it's 650 pounds yeah <laughs> it's just such a weird i guess temp- oh yeah i guess they don't know he's dead yet they're just sort of getting people to help yeah so two men take a break from the search and they open the door to the servant's outdoor toilet or privy and in there they see a pool of blood on the floor i don't know why they're going together that's what i that's the weirdest thing about this story well they're trying to shirk their responsibilities that's what the kids do when they want to get out or something like <laughs> oh can we go to the toilet can we go to the toilet no Def- never um so they pulled up the lid and inside they find a blood-soaked blanket and then underneath is the body of francis Ooh. and because like it was 
basic like the hole wasn't just the yeah. hole like the circle you could lift it up and it'd be a box underneath like a shit box yeah a box of shit so, so you fit a child in it yeah so a cut was found across his neck i mean one of the men said that his head almost fell off when he pulled him up oh. um, and he was totally covered in blood so national hysteria resulted based on this story think of it like like madeline mccann was national papers everyone talking about it it was on that kind of scale i mean that is horrific because it's somebody inside the house yeah has targeted the youngest child slit their throats it's not like a shaking or anything where like the cold-blooded murder of a child and just shoving that like it is and also like doors were locked no one noticed anything the dog barely reacted it's a real murder mystery especially when it's internal like you suspect everyone no one's safe yeah but it's just like a little family so is it a servant is it a stranger it's just such a a mystery it's sort of like jonathan creek-esque like i mean not yeah so um it's all brought out in the papers you've got the madness of samuel's first wife has talked about and, and obviously that's really hyped up so she made out to be sort of this loony woman and then his adultery is featured in the newspapers everyone's talking about this oh so just the whole day yeah. laundry so then samuel attempts to obstruct the police investigation which is a bit strange um because you think he'd want everyone sort of looking out and, and looking for his son or the you know finding out what happened so in particular there's an instance called the kitchen incident where some detectives um were at the house overnight because they thought maybe someone would come back they just wanted to be guarding the house uh, as part of the inquiry so they were led into the kitchen by samuel themselves and he had like beer and some food out for them and they're like oh this is really nice and it's not until they'd eaten and they'd drunk and then they got up to to keep walking around and have a look that they realize they're locked in the kitchen and they can't actually get out and then he leaves them in there till like 5 30 in the morning what? <laughs> literally just leaves them overnight. surely that's a criminal offense I don't false know. imprisonment yeah it's really weird though was he just it? like whoops i didn't realize i'd locked it i don't know i think he just didn't want them sleeping around or maybe he was like nervous because he's got kids in the house but yeah i guess if at that time it was if the police are investigating into your private business it's going to become news and it was just like i'm just fed up of having it splashed everywhere my kids yeah. are dead. but to lock them in a room yeah. is false imprisonment like yeah you just kidnapped some police officers <laughs> yeah, so weird so the family you're not coming out till you've done the washing up <laughs> so the family appeared to act sort of normally before the murder so constance um had gone on an errand that day and walked back with her brother william and the two had met their stepbrother francis so the victim um, they'd sort of played around and been playing in the garden and then Samuel like they'd they'd gone to bed I think the kids went to bed about 10 o'clock it said and then Samuel had been the last to bed um, and he'd sort of checked the locks as he did every night and then he'd gone to bed about midnight so the first inquiry was on the 2nd of July and not one member of the family was asked to give evidence or even really questioned so the crowd and the jury were pretty obvious with their displeasure sort of and i think it was more of a sort of circus then people would be shouting out in court and it would be quite mm. a big affair so the they relented and they questioned william and constance so their older siblings this was rushed the children gave short useless answers no one really thought through the questions so didn't really give any detail 
then the investigation started to center around the nursemaid because the inspector believed that it was totally impossible for Frances to have been taken without her noticing. So he came up with this weird story that Frances had woken up and found the nurse in bed with a man and seen it. And so therefore her and this man, who there's not really any evidence of... Because would she have shared the same room as the children or as the baby? I think it's either the same room or next door. Yeah. It seems likely. So they thought that he'd witnessed something and they'd sort of got rid of him so that he didn't see. And then he took it one further... Because she would have lost a job and everything if she did yeah. that. But then he took it one further and said that the man was probably Samuel Kent, the father. See, that's also very likely. So, but I mean, then he wouldn't need to kill it if it was his dad because it would just be like, I can do whatever the fuck I want. It's my house. Yeah. Go to sleep. But unless he didn't want his wife to find out. Didn't bother him before. But I mean, she... She's got syphilis. She's gone down <laughs> soon. <laughs> That's the way to do it. Just give all of your wives syphilis and then it's like <laughs> a rotating. But I mean, that makes a good story. I bet the press bloody love that because he's already cheated on one wife with the nursemaid. Yeah. And then what's to stop him having another? But the more that this was really criticized by the press, basically, because there wasn't really any evidence of it. And you can't just go around making up stories and thinking, I reckon, mm. even in the 1800s. So they weren't having any of it. And so they dropped that. They let her go. They'd even arrested her and they changed to focus on Constance because her nightdress that she'd been wearing that night had gone completely missing, whereas everyone else's clothes was available to look at. So they thought, well, that's a bit suspicious. So it's they arrested Constance. She, so she's 16 at this point. Oh. So she's arrested and she's put in jail um and her father sort of pays for extra food and things to be given to her and she's given a comfortable cell and then she appears in court and she because obviously they need to decide if they're going to take it to trial um and in court it's discussed how constance was unhappy at home they talked to some of her school friends from where she's at boarding school but there wasn't really any motive other than that there was no she hadn't talked about hating francis um she hadn't really talked about anything really extreme so again the press were like what are you doing you can't just go around sort of arresting people just with clutching at straws. flimsy evidence. So she's released. Because someone could have taken her nightdress, used it to mop up some blood. Like You can't arrest someone just on that. It's just... No. It's so insignificant. So three weeks after Constance's release, a man confesses at a train station. He's called Edmund John Gag. And he says, I did the murder. So they go and arrest him. However, as soon as he sort of questioned... From this, he changes his story. He gives evidence that show that he was elsewhere. And that's dropped. So, I mean, these people are looking like idiots. Now, Constance continues to be featured in the press. And she's sort of made out to be a bit of a heroine. And people start making her offers of marriage. I think probably because she's a young girl in the press. It's a bit sort of like Kate Middleton's sister. Yeah, and it's like not her fault. <laughs> There's a woman on she's TV. She's just born into this family. And she's if she's good looking, you, that's when they love it, isn't it? Yeah. So the family moves to try and escape this. So they sell the house, they move on. And then um, the, the wife, so Mary, she has two more children. She was actually pregnant when uh, Frances was killed. So it's not long after that she has another child and then she has one more after that. So she's got four and then one's died. Yeah. So she's got a big family. Constant joins a, a home for religious ladies. 
um she goes there the inspector of the case retired and it just remains as an unsolved crime for a number of years but that could be the end of the story but it's not good <laughs> so because otherwise know, i wouldn't want to hear it you know we hate an unsolved so on april 25th in 1865 age 21 constance kent goes to london Spay street magistrate court accompanied by a priest and confesses to the murder of her three-year-old half-brother oh i was thinking maybe he was actually her son like if her dad just fancied yeah and then maybe she was like this is gross that would be good but it's not Oh. So she so she did do it. She yeah. just confessed. She confesses. So she said she hated her stepmother and she wanted to kill her stepmother. But she's too big a target. Can't fit her in the toilet. Yeah, exactly. So, and she's like sleeping in a bed with her dad all the time. So she said that because that's too big a task, she decided that she would instead kill all of her children in order to hurt her. So she placed what she'd done. And I don't know if there's any evidence of this. And it is a bit questionable. But this is what she said. She and she wrote a letter and she took it with her. She'd gone down to the privy in the day. Placed matches and a candle in there. So she'd been able to see what she was doing. Because she'd gone down and lit the candle. And then after everyone had gone to bed. She'd crept into the nursery and taken Francis. And then climbed out of the window. Yeah, because I guess he wouldn't have cried or anything. Because he was like, oh yay, my sister. Yeah. And gone to the privy where she cut his throat with one of her father's razor blades. And she said that she'd expected more blood, so she'd had another go, which is why it was sort of quite a severe death. Horrible. And then just dropped him down the privy. She said that her nightdress had had two spots of blood on it. I thought there'd be way more considering that murder. Yeah. But that she'd gone to wash it in the bath and then she put it in a drawer and she'd taken a clean one to wear. But when the police had come, she'd been quite scared. So she'd moved the nightdress. I mean, she then... could have just said, I was wearing this one. Yeah, I know. Who shouldn't need it to double go missing? Checking that. Like, like, is it like a certain like days of the week on them or something? Yeah. Like, who's checking? So then um, she burns that nightdress in the fireplace. So that's gone anyway. So at trial, she pleads guilty. Even though the solicitor says, plead not guilty. And I think her, her father's very much on her side. I mean, I think he believes that she's done it. Do you think she did? I mean, she was living in this home for religious ladies and it was years later, was it? Yeah, she but came forward. I think that's she... a long time for them to be like, yeah. confess things, confess things, confess things, confess things. You have to confess things every week at church. Well, I think well, that was got it. Nothing that left. I think she'd confessed. I think she confessed to the religious figures in the home and they were like, should we go tell the police? Yeah, but I just but, mean maybe she'd been living what, yeah. there so long that she just thought she'd done it. Well, a, it, a lot of people didn't believe it because they said it was too stylized, it was too simplistic, that it was over exaggerated, that there was no real motive for her to confess. It had just been sort of put away. Like no one was looking at that, no one was creeping around trying to find out anything she was off on her own so quite a lot of people said that they didn't believe her but i don't know but then again if she had done it living with the religious people for that long they probably would have confessed it's just a shock that if you hadn't murdered anyone or hurt anyone before that the first time you would do it is such a intimate gruesome way you think you'd just uh, try and poison him or something yeah i mean 16 is an age where you do sort of get wrapped up in sort of the extremes and your hormones are raging yeah but there's arsenic lying around everywhere in those days just poison your mom 
Yeah, that's true. Well, then maybe she was a bit of a psychopath, but we just don't know about it. Yeah. So she she pleads guilty. Um, and in her motive, she states that she wanted to avenge her mother. So she said that Mary had basically taken her mother's place. And that even when she'd still been alive, they'd been so horrid to her mother. And she'd heard all the things that he said. They treated her with contempt. Um, Mary, Ann had, uh, Mary had obviously despised Mary Ann, her mother. Samuel had obviously taken the side of his mistress. He'd basically treated Marianne with indifference in the last few years of her life. And then after her death, she said that Mary had slagged her off. She was horrible. And she really sort of began to hate this woman. So she also spoke out about feeling guilt and remorse and how she wishes she could take it back and how she didn't expect anyone to forgive her. But the press, like I said, didn't entirely turn on her. Most people believe that this wasn't the whole story. I don't know if maybe they thought there might have been some abuse or something something else happening. Or maybe that her brother had been an accomplice. And she was trying to cover for it and save him. But most people sort of thought she was hiding something. The Loads of people went to her trial, I guess, because it was pretty exciting. Um, and there's no standards so yeah <laughs> it's like the the nearest version because i guess they didn't know if she was going to plead guilty or how sad she'd look and all those kinds of things they all want to see it firsthand her father and her older sister attended as well so she's sentenced to death by hanging um and at the last minute they did say do you want to change your plea because they would have just been like oh great if she'd have said not guilty they'd have been like yeah we believe you anyway yeah yeah so they said if she changed her plea last minute she wouldn't have been sentenced to death like she might have got some time but she refused to change her plea and even her family i mean not a mother-in-law she's not getting involved but even her family was sort of begging her saying change your plea but she's sentenced to death but due to her only being 15 at the time of the murder she's granted a reprieve by queen victoria And, and so instead she serves 20 years in prison and she's released in 1885. She's aged 41. And although her time in prison was unpleasant, it wasn't as bad as before Elizabeth Fry's reforms. So she did sort of have the benefit of, I think we talked about kind of, it used to be loads of women in one cell and really dirty, whereas it's a little bit more ordered by this time. No one's going to force you to have children consistently yeah. for years of your life. There you go. So in 1886 she moves so just a year after her um she's released from prison she goes to australia using a false name so the press don't even know about this no one really writes about her she's just sort of disappears and um she works there as a nurse and then she dies age 99 and she bloody hell that's like she must have died like last year (laughs) yeah and she um she worked as a nurse right up until her death although I'm not sure about that. Yeah. <laughs> like, she's not yet on it. But she obviously, I don't know, she obviously committed herself to helping others. What year would that um, have been? I need to know. So, calculator. She, was she born? If she was released in, 19, in 1885. God, this is... Aged months, 41. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then she lived for another... What she died when she was ninety nine. She lived for another fifty eight years. Okay. Why did it not <laughs> equals anything? I'm pressing equals. Nothing happened. Nineteen forty. Oh, that's not that exciting. Nineteen forty three. 
So she missed the cycle. Less well. impressive. Sorry. <laughs> I got really excited. Yeah. So that is the death of uh, Francis Kent. But let's say, obviously, the story of Constance Kent. Very interesting. While we're talking about pregnancies and stuff, do you think it's suspicious that Meghan Markle is pregnant already? Why suspicious? I just feel like how it's quick how convenient that whenever the royal family get married they get pregnant immediately afterwards i think it's like normal people take a while to have a baby either because they want to enjoy being married or because they're just trying for one whereas like kate middleton just popped it like got pregnant straight away i did think it was weird straight away yeah i thought it was weird that it was so fast um but mama went she's 36 isn't she but yeah, it doesn't make like, you any if faster, you want though. one. I just thought you would have. It but was... I think they have all the tests and stuff, so they know exactly how Can likely they make it is. them have IVF. Yeah, I think they. I, conspiracy theory, but I think they selected the the gender of the firstborn, Kate Middleton. I think she made it a boy. Do you think? I wouldn't be surprised. I think she made it a boy. <laughs> <laughs> I think she made it a boy. I don't know. You can do that can't by you? standing on her head after sex for twenty minutes or something. Yeah. yeah putting a bottle of okay. coke up there but anyway i guess if you're like part of the royal family like why would you not have one because you can have it and then give it to a nanny and not have to worry about going back to work or anything so i guess yeah it'd be easy. Live your life hmm. um okay. also i just wanted to mention that a lot of the information i got from a greater guilt uh, which is the story of emil kent and the constance emil kent and the road murder um, which is a good book if you wanted to check it out by Nolene Kyle. Thanks, Nolene. And if you want to hear more about the Meghan Markle pregnancy conspiracy, you can read my upcoming book, <laughs> Why Is Everyone Getting Pregnant So Fast? due out in 2030. <laughs> okay so i'm now going to tell you another story from british true crime by me emma (laughs) i thought this was the book i was like that's a very sort of broad name no that's just i've just bought a bookcase and i put all my true crime books on it but it's in the spare room so if anyone comes around who doesn't know i've got a podcast they're definitely gonna think they're gonna get murdered because they're like right by the bed oh what books have they got fucking hell (laughs) 40 murder books i just met someone well i like met up with someone at the weekend and he was saying that a friend of his keeps telling people like whenever they mention true crime podcast he's like oh i know the girl that does that he really he thinks there's one true crime podcast (laughs) he doesn't realize that there's actually hundreds so i think i've been credited for serial everything (laughs) anytime someone mentions that i know the girl who does that all the true crime it's me so i'm going to tell you a story that begins on Monday 19th of November in 1962 when a fire was spotted at quarter past six in the evening in a barn that was owned by a man called George Wood. So um, he lived and he worked at this hill house farm. He'd just inherited it from his dad. So there was the farmhouse, then there was that his bungalow that he lived in on the site. Insurance scum. And this barn was there. The dad died before. It's totally fine. He didn't want to be a farmer. He burnt him down himself. 
<laughs> no, well, he end of soul. No, he liked it. He loved being a farmer, and he was a special constable in his spare time. Which oh, is that like a fake police officer? Yeah, like which, policing's difficult. Let's just have maverick weirdos that want to chase people. They can be special. No, that, they were very. It's like community support. You're just helping out. It's great. Anyway, so um, this was near Bristol. And four hours after spotting this fire, 53-year-old George Wood was once again contacting the emergency services. <laughs> this time, it was to report a missing person, his 57-year-old wife, Olive Wood. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. So not long after, I thought you were saying something, because I know you love a funny name. It is a bit funny, but like, I was like, oh, like George Wood, Olive Wood, Olive. I guess people use Olive in knock-knock jokes to mean like, I love. Yeah. Like Olive Wood. Anyway. There's no obvious joke. In There's no obvious joke. I think joke. Peter Fell was still funnier. I still don't understand <laughs> why you find it funny. At the time, I was just like nodding and smiling, and I still don't know. It sounds like pedophile. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> kind of. Peter Fell. That was it. Peter Fell. Peter Fell. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, let's recap. George. There's been a fire. Farmer sees a fire. A lot later... Lost his wife. My wife's gone. Like, literally lost her or she's dead? Well, he can't find her. (laughs) 
So then, not long after he'd rung um, the police about his missing wife, the firemen that had been tackling the barn fire for about five and a half hours found the charred corpse of Olive inside the barn. Oh, God. Yeah, you're not laughing now. Is she flammable? Have we solved it? She's not very flammable, no. She's just charred. I found a source of the fire. There's still a lot of her left. People do spontaneously combust. Sometimes. (laughs) I'm just getting annoyed. No, only because I, I've already asked Lucy if she started watching Making a Murderer Part 2 and you haven't. But if you had, we'd be able to have a long discussion about exactly how long it takes for a body to burn and what it takes to keep a body burning. Ooh. So you should watch it. Because... Is it the same person or is this a different case? No, it's the same case. It's an update on it. Okay. You should start watching it. God, I really... It sounds confusing. It's hard to burn. We know it's hard to burn a body. We've discussed it's hard to burn a body before. But now there's a whole hour episode that really confirms my thoughts <laughs> on how difficult it is to burn a body. So at this point, the fire still wasn't completely out. So police couldn't really examine the scene and determine whether or not this was a murder case. So that before they could really get in there, they'd have to sift out tons and tons of straw and hair. Not just tons colloquially, like actual... There must have been, a, it said there between 10 and 20 tons of this straw and hay that they had to move out before they could get in. Um, the lock on the front of the barn door was so badly damaged by the fire that they couldn't tell if she'd been locked in there or not. But the body was immediately taken to be examined by home office pathologist, Dr. Albert Hunt. So They're di- all very basic names, aren't they? Wood, Hunt. Yeah. Like no one's... Like a secret immigrant or anything. No, not here. Very British. They were a bit racist in the 60s. I've just been doing with... Well, that's a general statement. But I have just been... In 1963 was the Bristol bus boycott led by um, Paul Stevenson. And we just did role play on it in class. And all my kids were walking around going... You can't work here, you're black. And then they were like, oh, God. and then at the end of every drama performance, they were like, and now black people can drive the bus. Yay. <laughs> it was really cute. But that was in Bristol at the time, and there was a lot of resistance to it. Basically, black people weren't allowed to drive buses. Now they can. So I'm not going to turn it into a full play. <laughs> so Diana Wood was the 27-year-old daughter of Olive and George, and she spoke to reporters saying that her... I'll quote her. Oh, I need to get my West Country accent out, don't I? Oi, oi. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just testing it. Looks as if Mother must have been coshed or something and pushed inside after going to the barn. Perhaps she saw something suspicious. Literally every American listener. Like, say again? coshed her some in and pushed inside the bar <laughs> basically so they thought it was maybe some random attacker that had hit her on the head and then just locked her in um she also diana wood said that how she would drive home from work every night and her mother would always be waiting to greet her at the farm gates with the dog but the night of her death the gates had been left open and there was no sign of her mother on thursday of that same week the police took George Wood in for questioning and the very next day he stood before magistrates charged with the murder of his wife Olive just side note it was his 54th birthday not a big one so if anything that tells me though that it definitely wasn't him because everyone knows if you're going to do away with a partner by death or dumping 
you wait until you get the presents. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like, don't break up with someone before Christmas or Valentine's Day. Really, peak dumping time is May. <laughs> so, um, they thought it was him because they thought he'd killed her before the fire. Yeah. And then the fire was to cover the fact that he'd yeah. been murdered. Okay. Based on the daughter, her not being there when she was supposed to meet her daughter. Yeah, just based on the fact that... Like, she'd gone missing earlier. Well, and other things that we'll now go into. Okay. So the post-mortem had determined that the cause of death had actually been due to head injuries. Okay. And when they searched the farm, they found a blood-stained sack of soil in George's shed. And this made him think that, basically, he'd done it and set fire to cover it up. So not long after, January the 8th, 1963, was the committal hearing. And this was the first time that some of the details of this case were fully made public so the prosecutor began by saying that this was a very curious case as that even him even the prosecutor wouldn't be able to give any evidence that would show george's motive for mo my god like i've literally (laughs) only been drinking lemon squash like i've had like five pints of lemon squash and i can't speak you need to have a beer do you think it's the sugar do you think the sugar like speeds it you're like it's the lack of alcohol in your bloodstream yeah, that could be it. <laughs> also, for Tom's but it was his 30th birthday, I bought him, like, a load of this Club Mater, this, like, German energy drink. <laughs> so we have <laughs> Did been, he ask for it? Yeah. Okay. So we have been drinking a lot of that. It's made from this tea, so it's supposed to be, like, a healthier... Like kombucha. I don't know what that is. It's fermented tea. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. So sorry if I'm slurring. <laughs> anyway... So the prosecutor said that he wasn't going to be able to supply any evidence that would show George's motive for murder. Um, And in fact, he even admitted that all the evidence seemed to suggest that they were actually a devoted couple. So it wasn't a great start for them. Yeah, it's not like he had an obvious affair or he was getting bored with her. Nothing. There's no reason why he would have done it. Um, The sequence of events was established as follows. So at 6 o'clock, Diana came home from work. At 6.15, a neighbour spots the fire and goes over to it. At 6.25, Diana then sees the fire and goes to the bungalow to ask her dad where her mum is. And so he cycles off to the barn, although he does have a cup of tea first and is like, ugh, he'll be fine. Oh, shit. Then quarter past nine, some hours later, George comes back from the fire and rings his brother-in-law to see if Olive's there. And the brother-in-law says no, and he comes to help with the fire and help find Olive, and he finds George at the time searching a pigsty, trying to find Olive, I guess. To be fair, the fact that he had a cup of tea makes me less suspicious, because if he, if he had murdered her then he'd be ready to be like, oh no, and do sort of a fake, yeah, like, oh, it's awful, I hope she's okay. As well, the barn that was on fire was being rented by somebody else, so I think he was a little bit like, it's not... It's not really my problem. Yeah, it's no big deal. He's going to lose out on that rent money. So... Then at 10.22, after they still can't find Olive, George then phones the police to report her missing. And finally, at 11.45, the firemen clearing the straw find the body of Olive. So the cause of death was um, recorded as being two to three blows with a blunt instrument that had fractured her skull. 
and the time of death was put anywhere between 3 p.m. when she was last seen at home and 6 p.m. at the start of the fire. So George told police he'd last seen his wife leave to meet Diana at the gates at 20 past six. And she never arrived? Nope. There was some blood found on the gravel drive of the farm. Um, but obviously at the time in the 60s, they couldn't test for DNA. They could only go off blood group. And all I could find about this blood was that they knew it wasn't George's blood group. Okay. So I don't know if they could identify which one it was exactly even. So when asked if he or his wife had been injured to cause these blood drops, um, George would became faint and had to be supported by officers inexplicably. Um, he then handed them some items with blood on, like he, in his pocket he had some paper with some of his blood on, a tin of matches. Um, and he basically was saying, look, we work on a farm, like... We, there's regularly like little cuts to your hands yeah, and things so you will find odd bits around that have got my like the things in his pockets i've cut my hands i put them in my pockets like mm. there's little bits of blood around if you're looking for it and then of the objects he gave them they were able to find some that were his wife's blood type and some that was his um when they searched the bungalow where the couple lived detectives also found a wheelbarrow that had blood stains on it that showed to be the same blood type as olive and that matched the blood type that they had found on the sack earlier it was thought by the prosecution that george must have attacked his wife in the shed put the sack over her head and then moved the body to the barn in the wheelbarrow so that there wouldn't be any traces like trails of blood left then made the fire to burn the evidence Several witnesses came forward and they all testified to the fact that the couple were happily married. George never had lost his temper. Um, yeah. They just couldn't see it happening for any reason. I mean, it makes me want to believe it's not him, but then also I guess there's some abusive relationships where literally no one has any idea about what's going on behind closed doors. True. It, it is possible to hide abuse. Or if someone has some sort of brain injury and then your personality can totally change yeah. and you can become really erratic. Um, but the pathologist then said it really wasn't possible for Olive's head injuries to have been caused by any kind of fall or any kind of accident. Um, it would have been a heavy, blunt weapon and it would have had to have been extreme force to cause the cracks in the skull the way that it did. Yeah. So sort of possible weapons that he put forward would have to be really heavy to be able to get the force of a human swinging them. So things like a tire iron, crowbars. Um, and there was no soot found in her lungs. So she was definitely fully dead before she got into that barn. Yeah. Um, and was put, so she was definitely put in there as a body to be burned. There were fibers found on the wheelbarrow handle that were consistent with those on Olive's cardigan and yet more of her blood type was found on some of George's overalls hanging on the back door of the shed. It's really hard with blood type, I think, because it just is blood type. It could be so many people. Yeah. Um, but obviously this is a small case. It's really out in the country. It's only going to be... There's no motives for anyone, so you have to I was going to say, what's the motive home. for anyone to do it? Exactly. George would was committed to trial and he pled not guilty so he was remanded at Horfield prison while the trial um, was begun 
It eventually began on the 4th of March in 1963 at Gloucester Assizes. The defence then explained that George Wood did not deny killing his wife, but that he would show he wasn't guilty of her murder, as this had been a tragic accident. What? So the defence really played on the drama of this because now they had this sort of confession from George. They had lots of information. So in the courtroom, he was like, I am now going to produce the weapon. And obviously it was full drama because no one even knew what it was. And here they were saying that they had the object. Why didn't he just say that all the time though? So... She died through an accident and then he'd moved the body. That's what he's going to claim, yeah. Right. So the defence lawyer... I like that you just, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, done. done. <laughs> yeah, that. Um, so he brought a replica of this six-foot-long hoe. I assume... I thought you'd like that. <laughs> <laughs> I should have said six-foot-tall hoe. <laughs> yeah. Um, I assume that's the universal term for the tool. What a hoe. Yeah. Like with so. a little flat almost blade at the end. Yeah, for, like what a is little it for trotter like thing, isn't it? Chopping up soil in it. Yeah, just doing a mini dig. They're not that heavy though, are they? Good big steel end on it with a six foot long pole, because I guess if we're gonna talk gravitational potential yeah, energy, you've got a the long pole and then if you can swing with some force. So here he goes. He's got this hoe. And it was shown to Dr. Hunt, the pathologist who'd examined the body while he was on the stand. Um, Blood had been found on the handle and it was agreed that these nail heads on the top of the the tool um, would correspond with these odd indentations in Mrs. Wood's skull. But Dr. Hunt would not agree with saying with any certainty that this hoe was definitely the weapon he said if i was gonna say i'd have to have done some experiments he actually said that i'd want to hit some animals in the head with it and see if it was consistent which is pretty gross yeah, but you have do to do um, to check that the injury would be the same so really the defense messed it up because if they want because they wanted to have this drama of like actually we know everything but if they'd have just said here's the hoe test it they probably would have agreed it was the weapon but the yeah. pathologist wouldn't say, having never seen it before, he's not going to admit right then and there, yeah, it's definitely the one. Speaking of ho, do you ever read Shakespeare with your primary kids? Do they not do that? Sometimes. We've done Macbeth. There's certain words that every time they all fall about laughing. Ho's one of them. Ho! And then like, there's like certain ones that are all sort of like a bit like Rudy, what's that one I was head. What book? What was I doing with my kids? The Lady of Shalott. I was doing with my children, and at the start of it, it describes the scene of the river around the island, and then the willow that bends over and the pussy. It doesn't say pussy willow. It says the pussied thing, basically. Um, and all the kids are sensible, and then there's one little weener kid <laughs> was turning around and giggling, and I. And so I was just like, okay, you can talk to me afterwards about why you found that funny. Um, And then after he was like, I wasn't even laughing. I was just turning around and someone pulled her face. I was like, we both know. (laughs) Do you want to talk to me about pussy? Like, come on. Like, you know, I know you think that word's funny. Like, 
but it's so not appropriate. He's 10 years old. But I think yeah. pussy is becoming a really common word. Loads of the kids who use it, like calling each other, like, like saying, don't a be a pussy yeah. or you're a pussy. They really don't, I don't think they know the derivative of it. Um, it needs stamping out. Stop letting people get away with saying the word pussy, please. <laughs> I remember when we were at church and we used to go to that youth group after and every, you guys all had to go home. But because my brother was oh, there. You got to stay late and I have got more to stay. I had to, got to stay with the older ones. And then they were telling jokes and they were all like, no rude ones. Like when everyone, and when anyone said a joke, they were going, it's not rude, is it? It's not rude, is it? Then I told my joke and no one said, it's not rude, is it? So I told this joke that was basically about this guy in the bar and then this ostrich and this cat come over with him and the ostrich is going, I'm not paying. No, the cat's going, I'm not paying, I'm not paying. And the punchline is, oh, I want. I, I have had three wishes and I wish for a bird with long legs and a tight pussy. <gasps> and I said the punchline and everyone went, <gasps> and I was like, it's not that rude. Lucy. It is quite rude. That's incredibly rude. <laughs> and I said it in front of all these church people. How mortified. I die when I think of it now. Oh God. God. Those are the worst as well when you're with a group of older teenagers and you're trying to be like yeah. cool and then you say something so incredible. Oh, yeah, but there's the longest joke, the amount of build up oh, as well. To it's get like to I... a tight pussy at the end. That's so gross. That's oh, brilliant. I love her. <laughs> You've got to, you've got to do these things. You wouldn't even you? tell that joke now. I know. <laughs> you've got to have these embarrassing experiences, haven't you? Otherwise, you just oh, stay like a teenager your whole life. I think I could manage without them. <laughs> so, ho. That's how we got there. Ho, double entendre, pussy, cringe. Yeah. So, back to the ho. <laughs> so, on the third day of George Wood's trial. Um, the defence were finally actually starting to put forward their version of how Olive Wood's death came about. So, George was bringing the wheelbarrow with some firewood over to the bungalow. It was about 5.30 in January, so it would already be getting dark. In fact, quite very dark at this point. Probably it'd be dark by four, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, a chicken had got loose and ran and went underneath an outbuilding and was hiding under there. So George called for his wife to come and help him get this chicken out. He went and got the hoe because it had this extremely long handle and he could sort of like nudge like the chicken it. out, scoop it out. Um, and they were able to catch it and they put it back in the hen house. By now, it was entirely pitch black and it was really difficult to see where they were going. So they headed back to the shed. George was in front, leading the way, and his wife was behind him. He was carrying the hoe over his shoulder. He had on really thick overalls, and his wife didn't. So when he came to this part of the path where brambles had fallen and covered the entire path, he said that he didn't want his wife's stockings to get ruined. So he started hacking at the brambles and swiping at them, to move them out of the way. So when he swung the hoe and swiped at these brambles, he then swung it back over his shoulder and carried on walking. He said that as he swung it back to his shoulder, he felt something, but thought he'd just knocked it onto a nearby trailer that was next to them and carried on walking. He then said something to his wife, who didn't reply to him, 
So he turned around and saw her lying amongst the brambles. Oh, what a horrid event. You'd never get over that, would you? So he went over and he tried to pick her up. Oh, wow. Says he couldn't manage to pick her up because he had this knee injury. So he put the wheelbarrow on its side, rolled her into it, and took her back to the bungalow so he could try and administer first aid. Was I mean, he, was she still alive at this point? He didn't know at okay. this point. I mean, like they'd, everyone had testified, they were a devoted couple. He loved her. There was no issue. So to have done that to your like to the wife you properly loved, yeah, your horrific. best friend, as pure accident is just... But I don't know how you could... Like, I would be mortified, screaming, crying. I don't know how you could cover it up Well, and just be chill. I think he says that his reason for being so together is he got back, he saw that she was dead. He then saw the time and realised that his daughter Diana would be coming home from work immediately and all he could think was, I don't want her to walk in and just see this horrendous mm-hmm. scene. So he was just working on, like, I've just got to be able to get things away and then tell Diana what's happened calmly. Because he just, I've, I, her father, have just killed her mother. She's lying here, there's blood everywhere. I've got to just move this. I don't think I'd react like that. I think she's, she's like a grown-up daughter. It's not like she's some she's baby. She's a grown-up daughter who lives at home. And her mum meets, <laughs> meets her every day at the gates. Yeah. But can you imagine just walking into the house and seeing them in the middle of that? You just immediately scream. It would be horrendous. I can understand him being like, I can't deal with her seeing it right now. Oh, I don't know. I think I'd want someone to scream and cry with me. Um, so he just took the body to the barn and he put it in the hay. And he said that when initially tipped the body out, but... Then he was like, oh, I can't leave her just dumped like this. I need to make her more comfortable. I need to, even though she was dead, people do things like that, don't they? They need want it to seem nice. So yeah. obviously it's pitch black. So he says that he lit a match so that he could see what he was doing. The match head snapped off after being struck and fell into the hay, uh, which immediately ignited the blaze. I'm not on his side anymore. See, that bit I don't believe. I think you did it by accident and then you thought, shit, I'll burn her and then I won't have to tell everyone that I did it by accident. Yeah. Like, oh, whoops, I accidentally lit a massive fire. I mean, stranger things have happened then. That's only two coincidences. An accidental hitting, which could happen, and an accidental fire, which could happen. But... Because I do always think, well, if it wasn't such a weird coincidence, then we wouldn't be talking about it. But so, then we've heard of stories before where someone has not been given uh, a sentence for, a, a, they've not been found guilty of the murder charge, they've been found guilty of accidental killing in worse circumstances than this. Yeah. Like the guy that, that I did the other week who fucking killed that guy by accident, buried him under the floorboards for yeah. 20 years, and he didn't even get charged with proper murder, even though he hid the body under floorboards. Yeah, that's Just true. because he hadn't destroyed it. So I would, anyway... So, uh, George Wood cried while he was giving his testimony of the events and he just reiterated over and over how his only thought was keeping the horror of the circumstances from his daughter. His daughter, at hearing this, this was the first time she'd heard this story, just broke down and had to be escorted from the court by her uncle. The following day of the trial, the doctor, who was called by the defence, 
described how he'd been experimenting with swinging a hoe at a dummy the size of Mrs. Wood to determine if a single blow could cause such injury to a skull. Imagine his wife walking in like, what are you doing, love? You really need to watch (laughs) Making a Murderer Part 2 because they get a dummy and they like pour blood in its hair and they practice swinging the dummy around to see what the blood spatter would be. Things haven't changed a lot since then. So he'd been doing a lot of practice and... He said that it can be done. If he really is just swinging it carelessly, it could cause that sort of injury. Um, It was noted by the judge when he was speaking that he said, surely if you've hit someone with that much force, you would have turned around straight away to see what's happened. And then the defense sort of had this weird little argument where they said that it's exactly that. That's what you'd say if you were making up a story. If it hadn't yeah. been an accident, you'd say, I hit something and I turned around to see what it was and there she was lying down. Yeah, that's true. So the fact that George said, I hit some, I felt a little something but didn't think what it was and walked off and then turned around is such an odd little addition yeah. to the story. Yeah, that's what I was thinking because I was a bit like, well, we're just going on what you said anyway. So it's all sort of irrelevant because we can't prove it either way. But it does make him seem more innocent and in that he has all these little details. Yeah, it wouldn't help his cause to say that he walked off. It would seem more likely, so it could be the truth. Um, The prosecution went to great lengths to show that it was the behaviour of George Wood after the death that truly showed his guilt, pretty much what you were saying, that an innocent man would have called the police straight away and would have been cooperative, Mm. and if it really was how you said, you would not have got rid of the body. Yeah. So... Then again, the judge, when he was speaking to the jury before their deliberation, said that Woods claimed that he was acting out of concern for his daughter, um, but he actually then, when asked about what were you going to tell her, if you'd have just put the body in the barn and then you were going to see your daughter, what would you have done next if the fire hadn't happened? And George Wood just said, well, I guess I would have called a doctor or something. And he was like, that's the bit that doesn't seem right. If he was trying, what was his actual plan then? The jury took 45 minutes to consider the verdict. That's not long considering, I can't even decide. No, apparently when they came back in, they thought that they were coming back to ask a question because they couldn't believe it had been that quick. Um, And they returned a verdict of guilty. Whoa. So George Wood said to the judge, he said, have you got anything to say? And he just basically said, only that I've told the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And then he was sentenced to life imprisonment for his wife's murder. That's a weird one, isn't it? Super weird. I think after doing that case about the guy who killed his friend and buried him under the floorboards, if he could get away with accidental death then this guy should have. Yeah, but have. it's different judges. You can't use one of the Because the other guy had a, mo- had a motive for doing it, that they had this weird scam and he'd signed the insurance fraud and stuff. That's true. And this was just... But I do think he tried to burn the body and thought, I'll make it look like an accident. Yeah. Yeah, it is weird. And it's weird. his reaction's weird. But I... Reactions are weird, but I don't like using how people react to trauma as a barometer for guilt or not because people act in so many different ways. Like you might not cry, you might feel numb, you might be hysterical, you might be angry, you might be Mm. withdrawn. And I think to judge... Ooh, fireworks. That means the drugs have arrived. Oh, does it? Yep. I've told you this before. 
means the drugs are around. Unlike that fucking banging sound earlier, which sounded like Tom was repeatedly falling over in the bath. <laughs> I guess he was just sure, turning over or something. Dad up there in an accident. We're both going to go to fucking trial. I'm going to say, if we are, you're the key witness. So yeah. get your story straight. Anyway. So thanks for listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Thanks for listening and if you would like to support the podcast you can join the Facebook, you can tweet us at slaughterthepod, you can follow us on Instagram, you can email us at slaughterthepodcast at sign gmail.com. You can donate to our Patreon and every time I sort of think oh I'm tired is this worth it I always think of the little Patreons who are so kind in generously giving us their money that's what keeps me going i think if people are willing to pay for this podcast then we've got to give them some love um and you can just tell your friends about the podcast and remember listening to slaughter doesn't make you a psychopath to be honest i'm not sure what does anymore because i don't want to judge people like that i do want to be on a jury though no one's gonna let you with that fake tan (laughs) Bye. Bye. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.